1: Yes, it is. And welcome back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. 508 Superman and DC Comics have changed uh, the Superman motto. Are you aware of that? You aware of that? Okay. We'll talk about that. It used to be truth, justice in the American way. That's out. That's out. No, I wouldn't blame you for saying it's my truth, my justice, and some other way. Um, It's actually now truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. Um, (laughs) This, by the way, uh, comes on pronoun day. International Pronoun Day, which the US State Department sent out a tweet about explaining why, they, why, why it's important. To, um, to not be left behind, the Defense Department has instructions and guidance on how to, uh, how to accommodate transgender members of the military. Check out page 35. Check out page 35 if you want it will um it will show you that if you are in the military and you want to bunk with women though you were not born one um the women are out of luck the women are out of luck do you know who's probably not celebrating and sending out information on international pronoun day probably the Chinese Ministry of State, Foreign Affairs, the way ours is, because what they're doing is working on hypersonic vehicles that can deliver payloads that we can't detect. That's what they're doing. We're working on pronouns. I'll say more about all of that later. But think about that. Truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. The better tomorrow replaces American way— so for all of you who thought America was about tomorrow, all of America was about the future, America was about the land of hope, growth, and opportunity, I guess what they're also saying is that's not America. You wouldn't have to replace America with better tomorrow if you thought there was a better tomorrow embodied in the notion of America. But you know that's really not what they thought. What they thought was America is a down-market commodity. What they thought was Let's not train children to marry truth and justice to Americanism. That's what they thought. So who and what country would you have them marry it to DC Comics? Who would you have truth and justice? What society um, uh, carries it more than America? If you ask the squad, it would be almost any of them. Almost any of them would be the answer, just not here. I'm put in mind of – Daniel Borstin the former librarian of congress who even though a old-fashioned liberal in the 60s could write when you steep society in anti-americanism please understand you're not going to get america all right greg in paradise valley on the newly named and discovered mar barkley syndrome hi greg
2: yeah well, I mean, to me, it's kind of a – well, first of all, I would like to say I did put in my donation for In-N-Out Burger. There you go. Today,
1: so. Yes, call it a donation. Yes, and that uh, is – yes, it, it, feel, <laughs> feel better about I, it.
2: Yes. <laughs> I even said to the poor kid at the window, I said, I'm here because of what's happening in California. Did yeah, you I'm really? Still, did you say that? Oh, absolutely. Okay,
1: that's an important addendum. That's an important addendum. I want management, yeah.
2: I want management to know why, why – I mean, I go anyway. I, yeah. I like, I've always worked at something. But, yeah, I want them to know I'm going there, and you know what? That pretty, I'll, I'll be driving out of my way, and I will be sitting in lines, which I used to hate. So I will do it. Anyways. Oh,
1: please, more um, of this. Okay, that's a good addendum to, to what I report. said on the reverse boycott. When you go, <laughs> tell them you support yeah. what they're doing in California. Tell them that. That's important that they know. Yeah, it's important that they know. Correct. Nice.
2: So, and then to your point about Bill Maher and the others, I, you know, obviously we have conversations. I, I know you do it you've done it for a living. The dip- most difficult thing about talking to somebody on the other side is, especially if you're trying to work with them and they're light on facts, I guess would be the most okay uh, generous thing to say. Yeah. You hand them, like the two things, Like to your point about Barkley, what I used to say to people is, look, does the vaccine keep me from getting sick at, or getting the virus at all? Just getting it, just getting it on my body and getting it on my person. Does it, does it magically put that pig pen bubble around me and I can no longer get infected or get, or have the, or jump on my body if the vaccine stops that then that's great but does it obviously the answer is no and then number two would it then slow down down, slow down
1: slow down greg you and i know this i want to make sure everyone heard what you said obviously the answer is no i just want people to know that okay thank you sir keep going correct Mm -hmm. so and then
2: which brings the follow-up question and again and this is in spirit of does it protect others if i have the vaccine and the spores are on my body sick or not does it keep me from spreading it and i literally kept it that simple okay those are the two simple questions okay lots of people will stop and think and even if they're vaccinated i'm like well great i, I don't care but what i do or don't have it shouldn't matter if those two facts are true that neither one of those two episodes or those two scenarios happen then congratulations you've got their parachute you're wearing it when the plane goes down, you're set. I'm not putting a parachute on. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay. Then we're done. Because unless I grab onto your leg or do it, I mean, not to be just bad about it, but there is a specific reason you're getting it, and there's a specific reason I'm getting it, and neither of those reasons involve my affecting you or you affecting me. It, it, there is no effect. But I can do that with people. A lot of people will say okay, and other little things will say okay. But there is a little bit of, and, and, and it's like uh, someone said on the show yesterday, I think she was filling in for Dennis Prager, um, uh, Gorka had her on yesterday. Uh, Amala, I think is her name. Oh, Holy yes, cow, yes, yes, I, mean. I know who you mean. Isn't she oh, one of his tra-
1: Prager? U, uh spokespeople or students? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Wow, that girl's brain. Oh, yeah. I feel like a, min- a midget, uh, no. a mental midget, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's just phenomenal. Amazing to listen to that girl. Anyway, the, the point was, she even talked about it. all you do is planting seeds. So if Barkley was to come out and say, look, from what I understand, if I get the vaccine, it doesn't stop me from spreading it around. So obviously we'd like to get the vaccine and maybe it's good for you. But if somebody on that side would say something just as simple as that, we could crack a nut in some of these doors Because they're not going to listen. A lot of people will never listen to somebody on our side. They'll just say, well, you're making up your own facts. Those are your own facts. That's their favorite saying that they have. So it doesn't matter what you bring or where you bring those facts from. People are not listening. So unfortunately, yes, the devil, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever, however you want to state that. If someone on the other side, maybe they've got respect for them, is at least modestly intellectually honest about it and says, yeah, the vaccine isn't going to do anything to stop the spread. Then maybe more and more people will start to think, hmm, okay," because they're going to they're going to connect with people that you and I will not.
1: I think that's That's fair. I think that's fair. So I'm not against. I'm 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 more thinking about the use of uh, conservatives flocking to these people so joyfully because they are going to disappoint they are going to disappoint, but I'm not against them doing it. You stand with any man that stands right when he's right and depart from him when he's wrong, whether they're conservatives or liberals or, you know, right? I mean, right. Don't you? I, Correct. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the only thing I'm saying. I just, but my producer, Bill, was making the point that we want to tame a little bit how wonderful it is. These people say these things when they say them, because. If you count to five your opponent's going to come back at you with something that person said, which is just awfully ridiculous. Oh, no doubt. doubt. Yeah, we're probably on the same page here. I'm glad they are doing it when they do it. In the campaign for moral character, no alliances should be turned away, Charles Elliott of Harvard once said.
2: Yeah, we're in literally a guerrilla warfare for freedom right now, so in in that stage, any... Bit of help you can get from any uh, source is going to help break this down. because a lot of people really have, like you know, have no idea what they're doing. That is very
1: well put. That's very well put. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I I like everything you did with In and Out too. First of all, call it a donation. (laughs) 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 And second of all, when you go at the window, tell them. I'm here because of what you guys are doing in California. Cowboy up, man. I guess you can't say that anymore. Someone told me that another – Terry Bradshaw got in trouble for saying that he liked someone in a cowboy outfit. Did you hear about this? You can't be cowboys anymore. Maxine Waters told us that a month ago. I guess we didn't believe her. Greg, bless you, sir. Thank you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Not Thunder Island, but the 6th Congressional District of Arizona, at least it's, it's constituted today, my man, David Schweikert. How are you, sir? Yeah,
3: but who knows how it'll be constituted tomorrow.
1: I know, I know. They're going to be uh maybe possibly put in my building in your district, which will be a trade-up trade-up um, but for the,
3: for the district or the building
1: <laughs> <laughs> for the building <laughs> for the building for for the people who work here having you as our representative and, would be and a trade-up
3: for my my delay oh I no 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 do, no
1: listen i want I you had to half
3: an hour floor time for I, listen tonight, david david and i was on the floor just just basically pointing out that the, that the insanity that are the Democrats' proposals? Excuse uh, me, and and, and policies so far this year.
1: I want I mean, everything they here.
3: touch turns to crap.
1: <laughs> well, it, it does it or does it does it turn to zero? I mean, I, I talk to me. I you you always correct okay. me. It's worse me, than get, I. You always me tell you me it's one, worse like, than I say it is. But turns please, out you're right.
3: You a, <laughs> you're right. A, a one. Yeah. and I only did. I opened with this one just because I know it would get under their skin. So under President Trump, the use of coal by 30 percent now remember um president trump was very good to coal country he, he removed a bunch of the crazy rags and this and that and basically in all honesty said the market's going to find what the market is um and natural gas um sort of was winning that battle mm-hmm. um in price and btu efficiency and those things president um Biden shows up and the democrats show up and they start lumping so many new rules and crazy on um, we're going to cancel pipelines, we're going to restrict your access to bringing um, natural gas out of the ground and this and that. And so now the nation is starting to have a shortage of natural gas. Guess what Joe Biden accomplished this year that President Trump could? We're going to use 23% more coal this year than we did last
1: year. Oh, well, the environmentalists uh, so must be going- very happy about that.
3: No, the environments are losing their blanking mines, right, right. but they can't say it out loud that their policy on screwing up the energy markets not only mean that we're going to be burning a whole bunch more coal, but it also turns out that in some parts of the country, poor people are going to be paying double to heat their homes this winter.
1: This is incredible, David. I am so glad you're bringing this out. I am so glad you're bringing this out. You put that on the floor. I lo- Thank you. Can I just say thank you? Well, but but it's it's more—see,
3: you know my frustration. Like, if you and I go to Fox right now, it's a horrible story about, you know, a a beautiful young woman who's lost her life and and that. But in Washington right now, we have pieces of legislation that will change the fabric of the country forever. Right, It will change the tax code. It will change the spending. We will take the majority of our society— and functionally make them addicts to to a monthly check from the federal government. And it's designed to keep the Democrats in absolute control and power over our lives, because how many people think, well, I get 300 bucks a month from the Democrats. Republicans say they're going to take it away. What's going to happen in the election? And, And that's how cynical the Democrats are. This stuff should be front page, front story on every discussion. And it's not. And is it is it? Is it because it's complicated? Is it because it has big zeros, a number of zeros behind it? Um,
1: it's, so, item, it's item 100 uh, or one out of 100, depending on how you rank it. But about 100 items since uh, since Joe Biden has been sworn in that if it were a news story on CBS, NBC or ABC would have been the story of the year. But it gets they, a mention get, and it and they move on and we just move on we just move on Yeah to and it,
3: look I I had a half an hour and I just I you know I like to use charts cuz of the visual Oh you're oh. great with them. And yeah. I couldn't I couldn't even get close to all the charts we wanted to make. Do You remember how they used to attack President Trump on he's demanding NATO countries pay their fair yes. share? Yes. Oh, he's going to break NATO. Guess basically who has gotten close to breaking NATO? Is Joe Biden. You bet. Um we've had multiple conversations cuz I do a lot of trade. I'm trying to reform the World Trade Organization. It's part of you know being in ways and means. And you talk to some of the British MPs, and they're livid.
1: Yep. And the French were livid with what we did with Afghanistan. You bet. You bet. You bet.
3: And and so Joe Biden's the one that basically has NATO at our throat. Um. So on one hand, we we got them to pay their fair share, and, and so it's like every. But how often do you hear that in mainstream media? It's almost everything the Democrats right now touch. They
1: screw up. David, um, let me uh, let me thank you. Let me also ask you, if appropriate, once those uh, posters you don't have all the time in the world to uh, uh, given the rules of Congress to put up, if you have a deck that you can send me or your, someone on your staff, I'll do it. I'll do it here. I'll, I'll, I'll credit have, you, I and I will out. put them out. I'll put them out.
3: I have one I will send you in a couple moments. Great, and great. And it's from Brian Riedel.
1: Oh, I know Brian. Manhattan. Love him. Yeah.
3: He's one of my buddies. Oh, good. Manhattan Institute. You need to see what's about to happen to U.S. debt. And 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 it, it, it's – so in nine years, we hit 106% of debt to GDP. Mm-hmm. And that's so publicly held. So we used to say 100% was a disaster. Yeah. Now we're We're already going to be at one hundred and six with the Democrats proposal. We're going to be at one hundred and twenty nine percent of debt to GDP in nine years.
1: When you come next week, I know we had to do an abbreviated session today, David. But when we talk next week, I want to talk about the volitional deliberateness of some of this. You know, if we can, you know, the deliberate effort by the left, by the Democrats to to increase the debt and increase the dependency. Can we talk about that next week a little bit?
3: I've worked on the theory they want a value-added tax. They want to sweep our retirement account. Um, they functionally want the European model where they get to be all-powerful. Yeah, so that's, we'll talk about it next week.
1: Yeah, no, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. And uh, just in passing, you know, I just want to mention as well, uh, If you, uh, I'll send it to you if you haven't seen I'm sure you have the Tax Foundation on what the Trump tax cuts have done. Increased revenue oh, yeah. across the boards. Didn't cost Once us. Once again, remem- yeah, yeah.
3: remember, I, I was in the room. You were. I, I helped write that. Sucker. You bet.
1: You bet. I wanted to credit you with that. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act proved Kennedy, Kemp, Reagan, and Schweikert right. It is a paradoxical truth that when taxes are too high, growth will be too low, and the only way to get out of debt is is to lower taxes. That's John F. Kennedy. Well, argue but, with him? but we
3: also did it, but we also incentivized investment yep. in production yep. and in efficiency. Cuz what are the two ways you pay a worker more? Inflation or productivity. We did it. We did it with no inflation and lots of productivity and Americans made more money.
1: My man, David Schweikert, I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. We all do. Thank you. We owe you a debt. That's the only time the word debt should be used around you. We owe you one. Thank you, David. I'm Seth 602 in six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. I need a um, I need a physics teacher or a mechanics teacher or something. Someone who knows uh, automobiles. I have a question that I cannot figure out with reason. Um, When I drive into the garage here, there's a little low-hanging wooden bar. And if I'm going something like a little more than 10 miles an hour, the top of my truck will hit it. And if I'm not, it won't. Is there something about speed that increases height or (laughs) – if there's a physics teacher out there that can help me with this, or a auto uh, auto repair uh, mechanic, I'd love to know six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. This has been bothering me for months, and it just dawned on me. Let me crowdsource this. This is an, the most intelligent intelligent audience I know of. Let me crowdsource it. Why do you hit the top of the bar? With your car when you're going a little faster, and you don't when you're going a little slower. There's no speed bump or anything, so there's no, there's no uh, aerial. (laughs) There's no no time in the air. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) on the way to that, um, on the way to that, let me uh, let me say something um, about what I was talking about with regard to children earlier. I was texting with a friend about some of the local schools we both know very well, having been to some of them and in some cases uh, with regard to my friend having uh, having that friend send their child to some of them. And the way that they are punishing children and families who can't mask or vaccinate in the schools that require that, simply won't or can't, um, it's a... Um, it's, it's anti-science. It has nothing to do with science. It has everything to do with punishment and shame. It has everything to do with punishment and shame. And I was talking with uh, Dr. Bennett about this morning on his podcast. It will come out tomorrow or the next day. And so, something dramatic, something dramatic changed over the past year and a half that COVID seemed or COVID mitigation strategies seemed – to be the catalyst of or the accelerant, the fire accelerant of. We have read for years about attacks on childhood, societal, social attacks on childhood. And there have been books, uh, Ending Childhood, Saving Childhood, that that kind of thing. Uh, The most important one, I think, was written by a guy named Neil Postman who is uh, no longer with us, but his book, The Disappearance of Childhood, really the only sociologist that ever mattered as far as I'm concerned. But when you look at some of the things we were warning about last year and you look at some of the absurdity and irrational things schools are doing now um, with regard to these children, uh, I don't want people to be surprised by, but nor do I want them to ignore, which is my bigger fear. Reports like just came in from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and the Children's Hospital Association, declaring a national emergency in children's mental health. Um, The pandemic, they write, has brought on physical isolation, ongoing uncertainty, fear, and grief. Emergency departments for mental health emergencies from children rose by 24% in the age category of 5 through 11 years, and 31% for children ages 12 to 17. ED visits, emergency department visits, for suspected suicide attempts increased nearly 51% among girls aged 12 to 17 over the data from 20 19. Neil Postman put it this way about protecting children from fear and panic. And he was talking about the use of fairy tales. Do we still tell children fairy tales? I know in uh, families here, young families here, they do. He wrote that the importance of fairy tales lies in their capacity to reveal the existence of evil They're not shy about evil, to reveal the existence of evil in a form that permits children to integrate it without trauma. And it's possible not only because the content of fairy tales has grown organically over centuries and is under the control of adults, by the way, but also because the psychological context in which they are told is usually reassuring and is therefore therapeutic the use of heroism. I have a lot more to say about this, but heroism that we teach children in their fairy tales. Think about that as we denude Superman of his Americanism. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Little Jimmy Buffett there for you. Brett W. Johnson, a partner at Snell & Wilmer, is our Robert Jackson Visiting Scholar on Constitutional uh, Litigation, and he joins us every Wednesday to review constitutional issues that um, are in front of us. Brett, thank you for being with us, and welcome back.
4: Oh, thank you, Seth. Glad to be here.
1: I got to tell you, you guys, you and your family, you and, and Heather, man, you did a great thing yesterday. It, 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 it just tears the heart. How beautiful it was! And I woke up this morning. uh, Local news was doing a profile on what you guys accomplished. Tell everyone about four four six for a moment before we get into (laughs) the harder stuff.
3: Oh, perfect!
4: It's beautiful, really. uh,
1: It's a beautiful thing.
4: Yeah, you don't hear these stories very often, and it's nice that uh, Fox Ten and you were talking about it. So you know, Troop Four Four Six scouting in America, um, live and strong. they do a once a month uh, a conservation uh, electronics uh, swap meet type thing where they take old electronics and then they try to sell them or uh you know recycle them and um you know this past sunday um showed up at 5:30 in the morning and uh, our trailer was gone <laughs> for the troop. um you know you have 30 boys show up and they're there to do good community service and uh, immediately disheartened by the experience but the great thing was uh, immediately moved to action, um, you know, recovered quickly and did a whole day of service without a trailer. Um, and then the word went out that the trailer uh, obviously was stolen um, in good scouting fashion. They forgave the thief um, and and immediately said, how are we going to continue to uh, accomplish the objective? And the word went out um, for a fundraising activity. Um, they sought $6,000. And in less than six hours, raised
5: $9,000. You betcha.
1: Um,
4: just from the good, good-hearted people, including I yourself, Seth. We so no, really appreciate no, that. Yeah.
1: Including but, a lot of great know, people. It, a lot of great people. Yeah. Sorry, it, buddy. It, it Tim Jeffries uh, stepped up in a big way. He deserves a special absolutely. shout. A lot of people did. You guys absolutely. are amazing. Oh. Just amazing what you did. And good for Fox 10 for covering it this morning, too. Good for you guys for being involved in it. Thank you. Our community thanks you. And thank you for making our community better, Johnsons. That having been said, I'm getting a lot of questions, Brett, about claims over religious exemptions for vaccine mandates. In fact, one physician locally was telling me he tried to get a religious exemption for himself, and he was denied it. Can you talk to us a little bit about the constitutional contours of these claims for religious exemptions from vaccine mandates?
4: Yeah, no, this is obviously a very big topic, and, you know, both at the federal level and the state governments and, and uh, even private employers are trying to to get into the mix on this. So this weighs background, everybody. Obviously, you know, going back to Civics 101, there's the First Amendment of the Constitution, which entitles everybody to freedom of religion in the United States. Um, you know, all state governments, local governments have to follow that. Um, as part of that, there's the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which is basically the federal law that implements protecting that right throughout America. And what it basically says is, is that um, a law cannot interfere with your religion, and so much as if, you, if you're able to um, express what that religion um, belief is, you should be exempt from the overreaching federal or whatever legal um, statutory framework. So in, in the context of, of COVID 19, unfortunately, just as we discussed every week, it, it's different application depending on who's trying to do the apply. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a private employer, the government, et cetera, but there needs to be some reasonable accommodations for religious beliefs. Unfortunately, that does not look at the hardship on the employee it looks at the hardship on the employer. Mm -hmm. And so when the employer, you know, um, if they cannot give a reasonable accommodation to the individual, um, then they're able to, unfortunately, take uh, employment action against them.
1: So if an employee wants to claim a religious exemption from his employer, as a matter of first impression, what should he or she what do he or she have to consider when you're talking about that burden?
4: They they have to really look at the belief structure of the religious practice. Okay. And it's a very subjective for mm-hmm. themselves, yep. right? right? How I um, you know, I'm Catholic. There's a thing called cafeteria Catholicism where it's like, hey, I pick A, B, and C. I, I know you well pick...
1: enough to know that you're not in the cafeteria. That's all right. I know <laughs> you well
5: enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> but,
4: but, but that's, that's the context is, is that is, is it rooted in your belief structure and can you express that? Okay. Now, you're not, most employers are not going to look at your religion. Did the Pope agree to this? Did the Christian side? Um, religion agree to it and and then but one of the questions that has come up is employers are saying um, answer this questionnaire okay so for for catholics it's a big issue is obviously abortion
1: um,
4: and fetal cell issues and so the questions aren't necessarily about abortion or that issue they say do you are you vaccinated for a b and c without telling that it's very similar to the current um you know covid Nineteen vaccine. And then if you answer yes on those, and then showing that you're not carrying out that belief in other areas. Now, there's a lot of questions about whether or not that's appropriate and whether or not those questions are appropriate. And there's litigation going on um, around the country about that already.
1: The Supreme Court weighed in a little bit on religious freedom or claims of religious freedom earlier this year, if I'm I think it was earlier this year out of when it came to adoption in the Pennsylvania area, if memory serves. And I'm wondering if you think the Supreme Court is going to fairly soon change its doctrine on religious exemptions and the First Amendment, because they did change it in nineteen. They made it a little harder in nineteen ninety. They, they made it a little harder than it used to be in Smith, Oregon, didn't they? I don't mean to get dorky on you.
4: No, 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 no. You're 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 right. They did uh, for for the employee. Definitely, mm-hmm. they made it they made it uh, that way. I mean, you don't have to even look at the Pennsylvania um, adoption case. You okay. can even look at some of the last COVID cases okay. where the state of California tried to um, restrict, um, you know, masses and, and religious celebrations in California due to COVID, and, and the Supreme Court basically stopped that because the government did not have a, a basically a compelling reason to do so. Mm-hmm. Usually the standard is rash, what's called rational basis.
1: Oh, compelling standard right. would be great. Compelling yeah, standard know, is anything. what it used to be, right, until 90, that's, right? That's, what it, yeah.
4: that's, what it would, that's definitely what it used to be. And, and um, based off of recent, recent at least, you know, reading the tea leaves, it's quite possible the Supreme Court is going to go that backed-out that route.
1: It looks like it's being championed primarily, if I rewrite people like Samuel Alito. He wants to revisit this in a big way, if I read that Pennsylvania I'm going off memory, so you feel free to correct <laughs> me whenever I'm wrong. But it looks—yeah, yeah. anyway, go ahead. Yeah,
4: that's that's definitely correct, but even some of the— the newer entrants into uh, now the Supreme Court, the last, last couple, um, are are have already, you know, expressed that in previous writings before they got onto the court. Um, so it's going to be interesting as we, and especially, you bring up. Uh, I brought up abortion before; yeah. those types of cases are being brought up this cycle this, uh, before the Supreme Court. So how those type of uh, um, cases are handled will be very telling for the future of, of the, the religious cases. And don't forget. The state state courts, Supreme Court at the state level, there's you know there's always the state protection too for First Amendment purposes,
1: and it can go a little further, and, can it?
4: and they can, yeah. And um, actually, so one of our justices, a friend of both of ours, um, has always kind of pushed that. Oh yeah, that the state Supreme Courts should be the laboratories of democracy, and we should not be referring to the federal courts at every single juncture. The state courts really need to take control of their own
1: constitutions. Brett Johnson, Snell and Wilmer. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Seth. Until next week. I'm Seth Leipsin. We'll be right back. So, when I, if I'm thinking that or singing that while I'm driving to the garage, I'm going to hit. The, <laughs> I'm going to hit the car. If I'm if I'm driving a little fast, I'm going to hit the top of my truck against the, the uh, the uh, the warning piece of the the dangling warning wood that says whatever it says and i'm wondering why that is because if i go slow it doesn't happen john and phoenix has a has a theory on this john thanks for helping out
5: Yeah, hi, Seth. i work with um, automotive motion a lot oh good and uh, and i'm an observer and i've you know had you know physical uh inner inner play with it so to speak yeah um back in the day when the honda Goldwing came out uh it was a shaft drive with a pretty potent engine
1: yeah
5: um they people were noticing that when they'd accelerate the motorcycle instead of the uh, front end coming up the back end lifted oh okay. it, it was explained because it was a shaft drive okay and it was torquing the, the swing arm
1: uh-huh
5: so, anyhow what you've got going on with your vehicle in the garage is, is a combination of aerodynamics sprung and unsprung weight and uh acceleration so i'm not sure if you're accelerating under that bar or just yeah
1: so that's what i sandwich. noticed so you know you you tend to maybe sometimes to accelerate a little bit as you're making a turn sometimes once you make the turn and that's right where yeah. the entrance to the garage is so i think it's when i accelerate i'll hit the top of the thing but if i am cognizant most days and not doing that i don't hit it
5: yeah because when you're when you're accelerating you're pushing your back wheels uh, trying to push the whole car forward and it uh, essentially transfers the load to the rear of the vehicle, letting the springs on the front end lift the nose up a bit.
1: No kidding. I always felt in this truck that the truck, the, okay, there you go. I always thought it was a little light up front, but that is what makes it feel lighter. Acceleration. Yep. That did it, John. That answers the question. Acceleration lifts the front.
5: Yeah.
1: Beautiful. Basically,
5: yeah,
1: the- Thank you, sir. If, I you said- watch a,
5: if you watch a drag race, you see the cars popping wheelies because they're pushing the back end.
1: Oh, under. that's how you do the pop of the wheelie. Okay. Now, okay, I see things I should have learned a long time ago. Thank you, John. I told you we had the smartest audience. Fantastic. Okay, Bill, I lost my clock. How much time do I have? Let's do this. Let's uh, we're going. Oh, good. This is great. Tevi Troy has a big essay on wokeness in Commentary Magazine. We'll bring him on. If you're on hold, stay tuned um we'll get to you shortly, as shortly as we can, but you're not going to want to miss my conversation with Tevi Troy, presidential cultural historian, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about Superman too, about which he knows a thing or two. Don't go away, we will be right back